You can be seated. My name is Ross Anderson. I'm one of our teaching pastors here at Alpine Church. I love coming to, to share with you guys, and, and I wish we could hang out a little bit more. Um, but, you know, we have this Layton Syracuse shuffle that we do. And so when I'm done, we're going to go back to the Layton campus and do the second service there. I wish we could just have more time to sit and get to know you more. And, but here we are today. Let's make the most of it, all right? So we're in this series about spiritual warfare. And as we come to the final chapter of the series today, we wanted to end on an encouraging note. And so we're talking about, we're not talking about Jesus culture. See, oh, oh, I pushed the wrong button, okay? See, that's spiritual warfare, right? The, the devil made me push the back button instead of the forward button. Okay, here we go. We're talking about the full armor of God. So hopefully this is an encouragement for you today. Now, I'm not much of a gamer at all. My idea of, of uh, online computer gaming is a, um, you know, an exciting, gripping game of Scrabble against the computer. So, you know, but there's people in my family and our life who are, who are pretty dedicated gamers. And one of the things I've learned kind of watching from the sidelines is I know there's a number of games that built into the storyline of the game is this, is this quest to gain more armor, to gain better weapons and better armor as you go. And, you know, you can kind of get a whole arsenal. The longer you play, the longer, the better equipped you are, you know, in the game. And so that's part of the, the attraction of that game. Well, spiritual warfare is not a game, right? It's not the kind of thing that you can just, uh, you know, turn off the monitor, unplug the console. We're going to be engaged as Christians in spiritual warfare. That's, that's part of the Christian life. It's going to be what we're, we're involved in. But if that sounds daunting, you know, the last few weeks we've been talking about the challenges of the world system all around us and the flesh that's within us, the sinful nature. And last week, you know, ten things about demons and Satan is like, whoa, you know, that can feel a little overwhelming. Maybe that could feel about as overwhelming as me for the first time picking up the game console and, and not even knowing how to move, you know. But I want to encourage you today that God has given us every resource that we need for victory in the spiritual battle. God has given us every weapon, all the armor that we need. We don't have to go searching for it. We don't have to play the game long enough to try to figure out how to get it. God just gave it to you when you came to faith in Christ. It's part of your heritage, part of your legacy in him. And that's important to understand when we understand the nature of the spiritual battle. And so in Ephesians 6, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6 today where he talks about the armor of God. He says, put it on. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, because of that, he says, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So you see the nature of what we're up against a little bit. It's, it's, it's not an easy battle. Because we have this adversary, this enemy, and he's got these strategies and schemes. And he knows what schemes are going to work in my life. He knows what schemes are going to work in your life because he's watched you for all these years, right? And he's, he's just smart. He's smart. 
it's not just him alone, but he says there's in the unseen world, there's all of these evil powers, evil spirits that are arrayed against us. And that could be a little frightening until we realize in this series we've learned that, that Jesus has the ultimate power over all of them. They may be a lot more powerful than you and me, but Jesus has all the power. That's why we need to put on the armor of God And doing so, it says, here's the result. You're going to be able to stand firm in that day. You're going to be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. That time of evil, that moment of temptation, that time when you're feeling afraid, that moment of confusion. He says, you're going to be able to resist the enemy. And when all is said and done, you'll be standing firm. The battle's over. You're going to to be standing. You're going to win. And so he says, put on the armor of God. What is that? Well, let's take a look. He says, stand stand your ground, putting on six things, he says. Number one, the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the word the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So let's get, today we're going to look at each of those six things and try to understand how to put them on, what they are, and how to put them on. So the first thing we see is that truth is the centerpiece of the believer's spiritual armor. He says, uh, putting on the belt of truth. Now, in the Roman armor system, from what I'm told, I've never seen it, but I've read about this in, in some of the commentaries and stuff. And the belt was what kept all of the armor kind of integrated, pulled it all together. So it's the last piece of armor that you put on. But he starts with it first because of this integrative quality, this, this kind of sense that this is what unites all the other pieces of armor. That's the role that truth has in the spiritual battle. And we're going to see as we look at the different pieces of armor how this idea of truth keeps coming up over and over again. If you're believing the truth or holding on to the truth, it keeps coming up. So it really makes sense why this would be the belt. That truth is at the heart of our whole response in the spiritual battle. Because we've learned in the series, right, that a lot of spiritual warfare takes place in our minds, in our thoughts. That Satan is a liar, we saw, the father of lies. And so we can, we can anticipate that truth is going to be a big part of this battleground. And so we're ready. We put on this belt when we have immersed ourselves in our hearts and our minds in the source of truth, which is God's own word, which is the scripture, the Bible. And so that's why he says in Romans chapter 12, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. So here's the world system. This is part of our battle, right? The world system is trying to compress you into its mold. It's trying to get you to conform to its patterns of thinking, to its habits. And that's so we go, you know, if we're out in the culture, out in the world, left to ourselves, we're going to be conformed to those voices and those factors around us. So he says, but you know what? You can let God shape you into his form by letting him change the way you think. Well, how how do we change the way we think? Well, primarily it's through 
the Word of God by immersing our minds in, into we understand what the Word of God is saying, that we know it. We apply it to our everyday life. And so I was just thinking about some of the ways that I've done that over the years, and I don't, it's not always the same how I interact with the Bible. It's not always the same all the time. I mean, obviously being here when the Word of God is being taught is a really key part of that, of being in a small group where the Word of God is being taught and discussed is really helpful. But when it comes to my personal daily uh, scripture life, sometimes what I'll do is I'll read through a book of the Bible, and I'll read through it over and over and over again over a course of a period of time and just, and just try to connect the dots and let it sink in. And so, you know, we're doing the Jonah series coming up next week. And um, I would encourage you to try this out. I would encourage you to read the book of Jonah every single day this coming week. So you read it before, before next Sunday sermon. So you read it six or seven times, right? Now, the book of Jonah is four chapters. It's only going to take you 10, 15 minutes to read, okay? But by the time you get through, you're gonna, every time you open it up, you're going to see new ideas drop. You're going to see new dots connect. And so by the time that, you know, the, the Sunday message comes... You know, you're going to be able to really integrate everything that the pastor's saying on, on next week. So that's one way, just reading a whole book of the Bible over and over again. And then sometimes I'll do a, a reading plan from like the YouVersion app, the Bible, Bible app. And so they've got so many great reading plans. The most recent one I finished was on um, lessons of leadership from the Bible. Before that I had done one like through the whole, that was like only 12 sessions, right? So it took a couple weeks. But... Before that, I did one on the Gospel of Luke, and it took me through Luke, uh, you know, kind of section by section for a couple months. So there's a lot of great things on, on, on that resource. Sometimes I'll, I'll read the, through the whole Bible in a whole year, or, or like, remember last year, many of you read through the New Testament in a year, because we were doing that together at Alpine Church. So there's a lot of great ways to immerse yourself in truth. You're putting on the belt of truth. Now, one thing I found really, really helpful over the years is, is to memorize certain verses of Scripture. Um, I'm not like a big-time memorizer. I don't, I don't have a, like books of the Bible memorizer. But, but they have certain key passages of Scripture that speak to issues that, or that, that God has really spoken to me through that verse, and I'll, so I'll commit it to memory. Um, so 1 John 3, verse 1, he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on you that you should be called children of God, and that is what you are. So many times that that verse has brought encouragement to me to remember who I am, to remember how God sees me. Okay, so that's, that's the belt of truth. There's different ways to put on the belt of truth as you immerse yourself in the Bible. Now, let's, go, let's keep moving because we have six things to look at. Um, the next one, he says, also putting on the body armor of God's righteousness. So you see, it's a lifestyle of righteousness that gives Satan no targets to exploit in the spiritual battle. Now, remember older translations, if you're familiar, would have talked about the breastplate of righteousness. Now, I don't even, I don't even know what a breastplate is, right? Well, I found out because in, we were in England this year and we went to a museum that was like an armor museum from the past. And we showed, they showed all the different kinds of breastplates. And some of them are just decorative. And some of them actually would stop a lance or a spear or whatever, an arrow. What I thought of when I first saw, thought of this was like I thought of a, a Kevlar bulletproof vest, right? Because I've seen that in the movies, right? So, but the, the breastplate of, of the Roman soldier was more extensive. It went like all the way from the neck 
all the way down to like midway um, through the calf, above the, uh, through the thigh, above the knee. And so it was designed to cover up every possible vulnerability, a place where an arrow or a sword tip could penetrate during a battle. Now notice he, he says the breastplate or the body armor of God's righteousness. Well, what does that mean? Well, Paul is apparently thinking about an Old Testament passage here in Isaiah chapter 59. He's connecting the dots with, the, with Scripture. And it says, speaking about God, God was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm. His justice sustained him. He put on righteousness as his body armor. So God is moving into the battle himself, moving into the fray, dressed in his own righteousness, which of course is perfect. There is no chink in God's armor. His, his righteousness is flawless because he's holy and perfect. He's the creator. He's the, he's the standard of all righteousness. And so he says, that's what we put on God's righteousness. Well, how do I do that? Because I'm not perfect. I've got plenty of vulnerabilities and plenty of flaws and, that Satan could exploit. How could I put on God's righteousness? Well, the Bible tells us that we have God's righteousness. It's ours in Christ and what Jesus has done for us. 1 Corinthians 1, God has united you with Christ Jesus. If you're, if you're a Christian, a Christ follower, then there's this organic thing that he's spiritually united you with Jesus. You're bound up with him. Connected with him in this intimate way, in your identity. And it says, God has united you with him, and for our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. He freed us from sin. Literally, it says that Christ became our wisdom. Christ became our righteousness. So, he imparted to us his righteousness. He made us holy, even though in ourselves we're not holy. He, he imparted to us everything. He took our sin upon himself. And in exchange, he gave us his righteousness. And so we stand in the battle, clothed with the righteousness of Jesus himself, with God's own righteousness. And then what happens in life is that we successively grow into that so that our faults, our failings, successively we become more and more like Jesus as God works the process of sanctification, it's called, into our lives. We'll never be totally like Jesus. He's God, we're not. And in this life, our sanctification will not be complete, but we see that we, we grow into, in practice, what Jesus has already given to us in principle. And so the reason this is part of the armor is because any sin in our lives gives, it creates a vulnerability for Satan to attack. It creates a place where we're not really covered, you know, where, where he could do some damage. And so we want to take seriously the choices that we make in life, the habits that we have. We want to we consider our lifestyle and let the Holy Spirit be working on us in those areas so that we're fully armed when the battle comes. And then, moving forward, he talks about the shoes. Okay, now everybody's concerned about shoes these days, right? So here's, this is important. Shoes, he says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. And, and what we believe that that's talking about is that really the battle doesn't really matter. It's pointless unless we're ready to share the gospel. The good news is the gospel. The good news of what God has done for us in Christ in Jesus. That's, the, that's called the gospel. 
And so how does that relate to shoes? Well, the shoes, there's a lot of points of significance, but we're going to focus on this one thing. The shoes are what transports the soldier from one battle to another, from one location to another. Shoes and feet in the, in the Bible talk about purpose and movement. And in fact, feet are really, they're also um, related to this. They're often a metaphor for someone bringing a message. And so we see that in, in Romans chapter 10. He says, And how will, anybody, how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Now if I try to connect the dots there with shoes and feet and the gospel, all the things that are in that verse, then it helps me to look at the big picture of this battle. So the battle is not just about me surviving the spiritual warfare or or me personally being safe against the, the onslaught of the enemies that we have. But there's this larger cosmic picture of the battle where, where Satan and the world and the flesh are all arrayed against God and all these forces, are, and God's on this side, and we know ultimately God's going to win, but in this bigger picture, there's a lot of people that Satan is trying to keep them captive, keep them imprisoned on his side of the lines. And so really, when we share the gospel, then, then we're engaging in this larger spiritual battle by rescuing people from their slavery to Satan and to sin. So I thought, I was reading about World War II recently, and in the Pacific, in 1945, as the war was coming to its final phase, and in the Pacific, the Allied troops were moving closer and closer and closer to the, to the Japanese homeland. And as they move forward, you know, they're making progress. It was slow progress. But when they, when they began to liberate the Philippines... Um, there, was a, there was a prisoner of war camp in the Philippines where there was 2,000 prisoners of war who were living this horrible, um, terrible uh, existence that was dehumanizing and, and demeaning and, and, and tormenting and that barely alive. 2,000 men were being held there. So the allies, as they began to liberate the Philippines, created this concerted attack to liberate the, the POW camps called Los Baños. And so they came at it really from every side, from six or seven different dimensions. And by the end of the day, the the prisoners were free. Only three American soldiers were killed and two Filipino guerrilla warriors were killed in that. But all these 2,000 prisoners were set free. Uh, And I thought, that's kind of the kind of battle that we're engaged in. That, That God didn't just send us... You know, to kind of avoid the world and to stay free from our own, in our own little bubble, but, but to help liberate the world and to help these captives find freedom in Christ. That's part of our spiritual warfare. That's what the shoes represent. And then he says, he says, okay, in addition to all these, he's given us three, and he's going to give us three more. In addition to all these, next he says, hold up the shield of faith. What is the shield of faith? Well, when our faith is linked up with others, that creates a wall of defense. So the Roman soldier's shield, like it was a large oblong, tall kind of shield, slightly curved. And if you had a shield and you were on your own, you were protected in the front but not on the sides. And so what they did is they create these shields to link up together. 
And so side by side, when all the soldiers were linked up together, the shields created this wall, a shield wall that was essentially a mobile fortress, a portable fortress that they could move forward against the enemy. It could protect against an onslaught as they huddled together arm in arm behind these row of shields. And so the, the, the soldiers went into battle together, never alone. Now, I know in American culture, our idea of the hero is this solo guy who's slaying everything that comes in. It's, it's like Rambo, right? So Rambo is like, um, defeats the, the, the Viet Cong all by himself in, in series of battles. And, and he's left standing on top of the hill with all the corpses underneath his feet. That's just fantasy. We need each other to win the spiritual battle. We need to link up, link arms with each other. And to do this together. Now, Hebrews chapter 12 makes a connection for us. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to what? The life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Now, in context, what has just come before this in chapter 11 is what we call the faith hall of fame. And he gives us lots of examples of Old Testament characters who lived the life of faith, who exercised confidence in God in some way or another and had some kind of victory or another. And he said these people in the past provide this great cloud of witnesses for us as we run the race, as we try to, to win the fight and the battle. But not just those characters from the far past. Every other Christian who's in our life is part of that great cloud of witnesses. Every other Christian that's in your life who's living the life of faith, who's experienced confidence in God and, and what God can do when you trust in him, they become part of that witness to you, to your life, that you can trust God with your situation, your st struggles and circumstances. And so we link up together to help each other to win this battle. That's why we emphasize small groups. And that's why, you know, today, Pastor Mark brought all the small group leaders up to introduce them to you because we got to link up. We can't go it alone. Um, we have to connect because faith, faith just means what? Confidence in God, right? Confidence in who God is and the promises that God has made. When I'm alone, it's so easy to forget those things. It's so easy to see how big the challenge is and forget how big God is. But other Christians then help me to remember, to increase my confidence, to kindle it afresh. I remember very vividly still today when my first wife passed away, it's been 10 years, that the people of this church, of Alpine Church, just really linked up with me and really put their shields together with mine. And help me to remember that God is good. Going through grief and going through loss. Help me remember that God is good. And that God's promises can be trusted. That's how I've experienced the, the shield of faith. So you got to connect. you got to find ways to get in relationship with other believers for this to happen in your life. Then the next one. The next one is, is pretty interesting. He talks about the sal put on salvation as your helmet. How do I do that? How do I put on salvation? If you're a Christian, you've been saved. You are saved. Well, he's talking about a helmet. A helmet, of course, covers your head. It takes care of your head. And we talked about how much of the battle happens in our head. 
And Satan is always trying to plant thoughts that undermine your confidence in God, that undermine, specifically, he talks about the helmet of salvation to undermine your confidence in your standing with God. Am I really right with God? Am I really measuring up? Do I really, do, does God really care about me? And so this helmet is, is a consciously remembering all the reasons why we can trust God with our salvation, trust our standing with him. So Paul makes it a little bit more clear in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, let us, who li- let, us live, let, us, let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. See, if you're a Christian, then you have every right to be assured of where you stand with God. It's never like, oh, I woke up this morning, I wonder if I'm saved. I wonder if I'm right with God. You have every reason and right to be confident in your relationship with God as a child of God. But one of the things that Satan likes to do, he likes to undermine that confidence that you have. And he'll, so he'll be talking to you in your head, going like, wait a minute, if God really knew what you just thought and did, he wouldn't, he wouldn't really love you. Or, you know, what, what right do you have to call yourself a Christian? You know, do you really realize that, that you, you, know, you don't compare at all to those other people in your group or other people you see on Sunday morning? You, you don't measure up to them. You're not worthy to be a child of God. Have you ever heard thoughts like that coming into your head? You go like, where did that come from? That's Satan. He's accusing you. He's undermining your confidence because that's what he does. It says in Revelation chapter 12, Speaking of the future, he says, this has come at last. Salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. He's envisioning the time when, when the battle is over. This accuser that it talks about, earlier verses identify that as Satan. This is what he does. He's accusing Christians day and night all day long. He's just telling God, did you know what he did? Did you know what she thought? Did you hear what they said? That's, that's the nature of his, his work. And you know what? I, I thought about it. Look at my own life and people that I know well. I said, you know, Satan has no lack of ammunition, right? He's got plenty of things that he can talk to God about, about us. But God's not listening, Satan is defeated. We see ultimately he's going to fall. But God's not listening to those accusations. You know how I know that? Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that there is nothing that can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. There's nothing No accusation that can diminish the love that God has for you. It says, look, neither demons, it says, neither the powers of hell, not even your own fears, your doubts, your worries, none of that has the power to diminish God's love for you, separate you from his love, unless you let it, unless you listen to those things. So we have every reason for confidence, the helmet of our salvation. And you know, when I remind myself of 1 John chapter 3, 1, how great is the love the Father has lavished upon us, that we are called children of God, and that is what we are. When I, when I remember that, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. I'm fortifying in my thoughts 
where I really stand with God and what he really thinks about me. Okay, there's one more. Let's take a look. He says, he closes, he says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, the spirit uses God's word in our hands to drive off the enemy. This is the only offensive weapon in the whole, in the whole scheme. And it's like the last thing. Once every, all the armor's been put on, the belt's been pulled together around it, belt of truth, then, then he take up the, the sword, the sword of the spirit. The last thing, he says, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And so that connects, kind of connects to Hebrews 12, uh, 4, 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. We have this sword. It's sharp. Let's use it. And so I, I thought of, when I thought of this, I thought of when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, three times Satan came after him with different kinds of temptations. And three times, each time in that story, Jesus answered Satan by quoting from the scriptures, from, the, from God's word, the, the Old Testament word. Three times he said, here, take that, you know, take that. And sent Satan ultimately fleeing away from him. That's the sword that we have. So let me pull it all together for you as we, as we wrap this up. I want you to see Isaiah 11, verse 4 and 5. We're going to zoom out and kind of look at the armor, this one last idea from, you know, the whole kind of the whole picture instead of the individual pieces. Isaiah 11, it seems like Paul was thinking about this too when he wrote, when he wrote this. The earth will shake at the force of God's word. And one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. So again, this reminds us like that other passage in Isaiah that this is who God is. This is his character. It reminds us that God is ultimately the one who wins the spiritual battle. That really it's on him. That God is the one who has the power to do this. That this is his armor. And we're invited to put on his armor. We don't possess those qualities and characteristics ourselves. Every single part of the armor points to the character and the attributes of God. It's his righteousness. It's his truth. It's his word. It's faith in who he is and what he's promised. And so he's the one. He's the, be- he's the winner. And so the New Testament encourages us in Romans chapter 13. It says, Put, it says, it says clothe yourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it comes down to. It's not just some abstract thing. It's not, it's not a ritual where I'm just going to get to now, now this morning I'm going to put on this, this breastplate. I'm going to put on this helmet. It's not, no, it's, it's really ultimately your connection with Christ and, and letting God work through you and letting God empower you in your life. And so, we're, so you know, where, where are you at today? What are you going to do with this today? Maybe some of these aspects of armor are new to you. And you're going, oh, I never had any idea. So what are you going to do with that today? Or maybe you're going, oh, you know, I've got some gaps in my armor. I put on five pieces, but there's a fifth, a sixth one that I never really thought about or haven't really been doing, you know. And so maybe it has to do with your next step has to do with your relationship with the Bible. Because so many of these elements of armor talk about truth and the word of God. And so, so maybe your next step is to say, you know what? I'll have more victory in my life if I have let more of the Bible into my heart and my mind. So I'm going to read it more. I'm going to connect with, find out some ways to do that more. 
Or maybe it has to do with this, this body armor of righteousness. Say, you know, I've got God's righteousness. I, I want to li- live that out more. There's areas in my life where I'm leaving a foothold, or leaving a chink in my armor for God. I want to consider my choices a little bit more carefully in the future. Or maybe it's just linking up with others. Say, look, I've been kind of going it alone in the Christian life. And you know what? There's some things that aren't the greatest in my life because of that. I need to link up with some other Christians. And they can help me and I can help them in the spiritual battle. So I'm going I'm to go ahead and sign up for one of those small groups. And I'm going to show up that first week that it meets. I'm going to keep going. Even though, even though I maybe feel a little awkward or a little shy about it. Or I don't know. I've never been in that person's house or whatever it might be. I'm going to do it because I need to link up with others today. And so whatever that next step is for you, I want you to understand that as long as we're living in this world, we're going to be engaged in spiritual warfare. Until Jesus comes back or until you go to be with him, you're going to be in a battle. But here's the thing. God has given us every resource we need to win and to succeed in that fight. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you've given to us your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, so much. You care about us. You want us to win the battle. You don't want us to to see us be captivated, captive. You don't want to see us become casualties, Father. You want us to put you on and to to rely on you and trust in you. You want us to have victory together. So thank you for that. Thank you that you're involved in our lives, God, that we can call on you every single day. We can connect with you. We can draw on you. Thank you that you're not just some distant deity out there in some obscure corner of the universe. And so we do call on you today, God, and tomorrow and the next day. So you speak to us, God. Speak your word of invitation into our lives as you invite us into this walk with you, as you invite us into victory and you invite us into success in our Christian life. We want to hear your call, hear your invitation, respond to you today, and let you build in us the armor that will give us that victory. And so speak to us, God. Empower us today with what those next steps might be. We pray it in Jesus' name for his honor and glory. Amen. Amen.